703. No, I don't know what's become of Pikmin, and I don't like to guess. You might have surmised that I had some inside information when I dropped him, and that's why I didn't want to think where he's gone. Let the police find what they can. It won't be much, judging from the fact that they don't know yet of the old North End place he hired under the name of Peters. I'm not sure that I could find it again myself. Not that I'd ever try, even in broad daylight. Yes. I do know, or I am afraid I know, why he maintained it. I'm coming to that. And I think you'll understand before I'm through why I did not tell the police. They would ask me to guide them, but I couldn't go back there even if I knew the way. There was something there, and now I can't use the subway, or... And you may as well have your laugh at this, too. Go down into cellars anymore. I should think you'd have known I didn't drop Pikmin for the same silly reasons that fussy old women like Dr. Reed or Joe Mignot or Rosworth did. Morbid art doesn't shock me, and when a man has the genius Pikmin had, I feel it an honor to know him, no matter what direction his work takes. Boston never had a greater painter than Richard Upton Pikmin. I said it at first, and I said it, say it still, and I never swerved an inch either when he showed that ghoul feeding that you remember was when Minot cut him. You know, it takes profound art and profound insight into nature to turn out stuff like pigments. Any magazine cover hack can splash paint around wildly and call it a nightmare or witch's sabbath or a portrait of the devil, but only a great painter can make such a thing really scare or ring true. That's because only a real artist knows the actual anatomy of the terrible or the physiology of fear, the exact sort of lines and proportions that connect up with latent instincts or hereditary memories of fright and the proper color contrast and lighting effects to stir the dormant senses of strangeness. I don't have to tell you why Fusili really brings a shiver when a cheap ghost story frontispiece merely makes us laugh. There's something those fellows catch beyond life, and they're able to make us catch for a second. Dior had it, Simi had it, Angarola of Chicago has it, and Pikmin had it, as no man ever had it before. I hope to heaven, ever will again. H.P. Lovecraft. You're the, you're the guy? <laughs> Pikmin's model, 1926. Series 7, Episode 3. Written and edited by Daniel Spitzer. Audio by Sarah Fee and Daniel Spitzer. Music by Kevin McLeod. PGTTCM is a part of the Dark Myths Collective. We are engaged in an ongoing discussion of the Cthulhu mythos and its timeline regarding Earth. To be part of it, contest... Contact us at pgttcm at gmail.com or join us on Facebook or Twitter. Just search for PGTTCM. Yay! Yay! And remember to rate, review, and subscribe to PGTTCM on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Donate to patreon.com slash pgttcm and get something cool each month. Early release episodes, unique audio content, otherwise unreleased banter, and our ever-popular sticker cult are just a few of the options. People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com and FoundItemClothing.com. Hey, keep your feet warm and cute this winter. And, and it's not winter anymore. And maybe this spring as well. Hey, but it's uh, it's, it's going to be fall in Australia. Oh, yeah, like, that's a good point. The other end of the world, it's, it's getting colder. But listen, we are having a cold spring. Anyway, keep warm, 
while it's still cold with some Cthulhu slippers from bunnyslippers.com and get your favorite screen-accurate shirts from your favorite films from founditemclothing.com. Greetings, listeners. It is we, D.B. Spitzer and Sarah Fee, here to talk to you once again about the Cthulhu mythos, its books, its monsters, its unfortunate human casualties, its timeline in general, and even its tangential bits like the dreamlands or things of a weird nature or things that are kind of live crafty and leaning. Once more, we head into those dark woods, further feeling those malevolent forces upon us. Once again, we walk down the lightless stone staircase in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere. Check out the show's merch table at pgttcm.threadless.com. You can find lots of cool shirts and mugs and stuff there. All original designs by D.B. Spitzer. Yay. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been a couple of weeks since we've had a chance to record. I know, I know, it's busy. Yeah, no, no, normally we uh, hate to, you know tell people how the sausage is made but we generally <laughs> try and record a couple at a time or you know or like a couple a week like in weeks, one week and yeah. then space them out and then there's the readings that help with that too yeah so that we can have something drop every week yeah and i'm kind of lazy so i don't like to uh, do too much editing yeah <laughs> well there's still too much editing i mean like for every minute of episode there's like at least three to four minutes of editing. Yep, yep. So that's that's en- a lot. Enough shop talk. Yeah. So what have you been doing in the uh, <laughs> interim? In the meantime, yeah. Um. Well, the most exciting thing uh, is I went to Mexico for cool. eight days. Cool. Eight days in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mostly I went down for medical tourism. Yes. Which is where you go to another country because medical procedures are way cheaper there. Mm-hmm. But partly it went because Mexico is damn fun. All right. Even Tijuana, which is where we were. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very, very cool. It was. Yeah. You know the most exciting thing I got up to? No. I made donuts. <laughs> I played a lot of puzzle games. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, oh, yeah. You've been playing a new one called Oxen Free. Oxen Free. I've been playing Oxen Free. I've uh, been playing Home. Uh, I've been playing Another World from like 1980, whatever, or 1990, fun. whatever. Yeah, no, I beat that in like 50 minutes and then got bored and mad. I watched a uh, YouTube thing on how fast it, you know, it was like a walkthrough. It was like the guy beat it in 32 minutes, and I was like, wow. Well, I was only 20 minutes off, and I'd never played the game before. This is. <laughs> so anyway, was a little it frustrated. Too easy. It was. No, 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 no. It wasn't too easy. It was just too short. Oh, it's like, a shame. well, if, you know, hey. I actually had to erase all of my phone games recently. I was spending too much time playing phone games. Oh, I had to do that last summer with uh, everyone's like, Pokemon Go? No, uh, uh, Fallout Vault or Oh, I'm not surprised uh, by that one. Yeah, yeah. You're no, really super into Fallout. And, and well, it's an inventory management game about Fallout. <laughs> yeah. I already treat That's Fallout like, like an inventory management game. I know, I know. I <laughs> I loved I loved how you had a set up in Fallout 4 for a while like uh a bunch of donut shops that were acting as an attractant for raiders. And then you were like, okay, now we're just going to what, what, did you kill them? Or yeah, we kill the raiders captured? and then we like... Take uh, their stuff. Take their stuff. Right. And then sell it to the donut shop. <laughs> it's a stuff collection thing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Good work. Good anyway. work. Good plan. Enough of this ghoulish talk. Let's talk about something else that's ghoulish. You, oh, okay. Are you... Let's Pikmin? do it. 
Have you ever been Pikmin? I've never been Pikmin. I have. <laughs> you have? What is being Pikmin? No, 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 no. I, I, I was making a reference to uh, Are You Experienced by Jimmy oh. Hendrix. Oh. But I was singing the diva version. <laughs> oh. Your place and experience with Pikmin. Right. So, yeah, it made no, no sense. No sense. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. I don't even know that song. I'm not as familiar with Devo as you are, which or is like not saying much. Most people are way less experienced with Devo yeah, than most people know Whip it and it. Yeah, pretty much me. Yeah, Whip It. I know about the hats. Yeah, okay, all right. <clears throat> According to Dan Harms' Encyclopedia Cthuliana, second edition, Richard Upton Pickman was born in Salem, Massachusetts in 1884. Well-known Boston painter of morbid realistic paintings of terrible bestial subjects painted in a manner similar to artists of the romantic movement, known for terrible shocking images either of real horrific events, ghastly scenes of, from Roman, Greek, or Christian mythology, at the time of Pickman's model was a celebrated painter with a ghoulish macabre realistic style. H.P. Lovecraft, ever hear of the guy, wrote about Are You Pickman in... Are You Pickman? Richard Upton. Oh, well, but Are You Pickman? Are You Pickman? Because he was H.P. <laughs> oh, that makes no sense. But okay. Um, wrote about Are You Pickman in three stories. Pickman's Model, 1926, The Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath, 1926, and The History of the ne Necronomicon, 1927. Pickman is a painter of great skill, but we are also led to believe he may also be a great reader of ancient Greek, possibly with witch cultist ancestors who knew how to use the Necronomicon. Much like his cousin Randolph Carter, Pickman got too much into all this yag sothery and paid the price. In Carter's case, he switched bodies with an ancient alien. In Pickman's case, he became a ghoul among ghouls on the Vale of Panath. You know, the Vale of Panath, a vast pit in the underworld. It is flanked by the peaks of Thoth and is mostly lightless. The veil is filled with a mountain-sized heap of bones and is the spot into which all the ghouls of the waking world cast the refuse of their feastings. Enormous worm-like creatures known as doles burrow through the veil. Night ghasts often carry helpless victims to the veil where they are left to die. Lucky for Randolph Carter, his cuz was there to back him up in a tight spot. Man, it seems like a really bad idea for night gas to carry ha ha helpless victims to the veil where they are left to die because like if they're left to die there but the re it's a refuse pile are the ghouls going to be able to eat the dead bodies oh well once they're dead i'm sure the ghouls will be like oh hey let's go eat those georgie and then uh. they go over and they go chew on the bones hmm. because, you know ghouls honestly all they want is just some bones with some meat on it just a little bit of rotten meat yeah, yeah. okay all right Necrophagy. That makes sense. Is that what you would call like a vulture? Is it a necrophage? Yeah, uh, vulture's a necrophage. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, I've always been fascinated by the idea that there's a whole microbiome out there that we don't see, yeah. that their whole job is to just eat up dead things. Yeah. <laughs> okay. While he was human, he was a famed painter with a fancy house, but he kept his studio in a honeycomb of tightly packed houses, mainly occupied by people either new to the country or people driven to desperate action due to extreme poverty. He kept his studio in such a location due to his disregard for his neighbors. 
contacting and calling forth grotesque necrophages who worship dark ghouls in a neighborhood where his peers can't see what he is doing, but has no cares for the poor or if, if immigrants are harmed or disturbed by ghoulish creatures of Arabian legend. Well, it makes sense. I mean, H.P. Lovecraft thought that people who weren't white Protestants weren't really people. White, I'm sorry, white Protestants of non-Eastern European descent. Sneaking off to the ba bad side of town to be corrupted. A still vaguer rumor credits the preservation of a 16th century Greek text in the Salem family of Pickman, but if it was so preserved, it vanished with the artist R.U. Pickman, who disappeared early in 1926. H.P. Lovecraft, History of the Necronomicon, 1927. Those who have the chance to read Lovecraft in chronological order know that Pikmin disappears in Pikmin's model, reappeared in Dream Quest, and gets mentioned in History of the Necronomicon. This order we feel really suggests the fact that Pikmin's family in general was familiar with the Cthulhu mythos, at least to some degree, possibly leading to Pikmin's choices in subject regarding his painting. We wonder if in the end of Pikmin's model, when the narrator hears, are you Pikmin, unloads all six bullets, Lovecraftian trope into the unknown thing that Pikmin begs the narrator to flee from the situation before the unknown entity can be seen. Another Lovecraftian trope. If Pikmin wasn't just messing with the guy and about to just take off and go ghoul it up in the dreamlands with his ghoul buddies and does hanging out hanging out with ghouls make you a ghoul or did he need a Greek copy of the Necronomicon for that? This is a good question. There, on a tombstone in 1768, stolen from the granary burying ground in Boston, sat a ghoul which was once the artist Richard Upton Pickman. It was naked and rubbery and had acquired so much of the ghoulish physiognomy that its human origin was already obscure. But it still remembered a little English and was able to converse with Carter in grunts and monosyllables, helped out now and then by the glibbering of ghouls. When it learned that Carter wished to get to the enchanted wood, and from there to the city of Selathias in Uth-Nargai, beyond the Tenarian Hills, it seemed rather doubtful, for these ghouls of the waking world do no business in the graveyards of Upper Dreamland, leaving that to the red-footed womps that are spawned in dead cities. Finally, we find Pikmin in the underworld of the Dreamlands, just another ghoul, a naked rubbery beast covered in mold, living in the Vale of Panath, avoiding gugs, doles, and ghasts, stealing tombstones and bones from the waking world. There seems to be an underlying story of a man who went against what was considered proper and decent and became corrupted. My question is, and this is DB's question as well, is this a Lovecraftian metaphor for race mixing? Is this about his father, the traveling salesman who went mad from syphilis, or macabre Icarus. Pikmin got too close to his sub his subjects of his one the subjects of his wondrous morbid paintings, whom he gained access to through dark forbidden knowledge. Due to his hubris, he became a ghoul, and instead of crashing to earth due to me melted wings, he fell to the depths of the underworld to live forever as a moldy naked ghoul, away from life, away from humanity. That was Richard Upton Pickman. Yay! Up next, Weird Book. Yay. Yay. Yay, indeed. Okay, so you want to talk about Upton for a minute? Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Upton Pickman? Sure. Let's talk about Richard Are Upton you Pickman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we have a 
artist mm -hmm. whose family may have been sorcerers. Yeah. I have a question for yeah. you. Um, so in like general society, yeah. like the way that people think about artists sure. now anyway, and I wonder if this is true back in the, the 1920s, yeah. a lot of people think of artists as like these like people who go against the general norm anyway and sort of like, you know, live life in the shadows of society, you know, and like are always pushing the boundaries of normal, always like um, two steps away from being completely mad. Sure. You know, maybe one and a half steps sometimes. Um, like the whole idea of Van Gogh, like, you know, cutting off his ear for his cousin, going in and out of mad houses, like that kind of stuff is like the idea of what an artist is. But like, it was that the case in the 1920s? Is that how people thought of artists? Uh, well, I mean, that is how people think of artists in general. It doesn't matter if it's the Dadaists, if it's the Futurists, uh -huh. if it's, you know, arts and crafts movement. People thought that stuff was weird. People like wow, being like, yeah. like, think about it. It's like oh, yeah. during the Industrial Revolution, all these yes. people trying to do like weird stuff out of like like trying to do hand handmade blah blah hand printed yeah. wallpaper hand printed wallpaper this is, this is the industrial revolution you you you, you max are going the wrong way backwards <laughs> right not, not like max as in like a slur or anything like that a lot of no. their last names started with mac mm, that makes sense yeah so it's just like i'm wondering if maybe i'm wondering if hp lovecraft was using that idea with an artist mm -hmm. and like if he's already halfway to madness yes then maybe the rest of the way was totally there with his like exposure sure like if he'd been talking about like um a man of god well maybe he actually has a lot of aspersion for man's of men of god but maybe like a you know some sort of history professor yes. or somebody somebody like a physicist somebody yeah. serious yeah maybe a surveyor um you know, like that, then he, you know, maybe that person wouldn't have turned into a ghoul with exposure to ghouls, but because a Pikmin is already on the path, maybe that's the idea? Possibly, possibly. I think the fact that ghouls are this corrupting yeah. spirit. Like, if you go to, like, um, a hundred, uh, Thousand and One Arabian Nights, mm -hmm. ghouls are this, uh, like, degenerate djinn. Yeah. They consume the flesh, and people who do the same thing and spend time around them turn into them. Mm -hmm. Or like in old folklore, people who eat flesh become ghouls. You mean the flesh of humans? The flesh of humans, Because yes. anybody who's not a vegetarian is eating some sort of flesh? Yes. But we're being specific. The flesh of humans. We're talking about cannibalism. Yes. Okay. We're talking about necrophagy, and we're talking about cannibalism. Well, I would hope that cannibals kill their prey first. You never know. You never know. I suppose. I suppose that's true. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, okay, so, like, the idea that um, consuming the flesh of humans brings this sort of knowledge. I mean, we totally feel that way in our in our society, that, like, maybe not knowledge, but, like, it it's a step, you know? Like, that's why there's movies about soccer teams that crash on a mountain and have to eat each other. Yeah. Because of this. Yes. That's why people who are drunk college students sit around and talk about who they'd eat first. Yes. This is because it's it's one of those things that's like completely against the rules. No, no, it's it's such a taboo. Mm -hmm. It's such a taboo. Yes, no. 
But we're not talking about necrophagy. No. No, this is not picture in the house. Okay. We are talking about corruption. Yeah. We're talking about uh, fall from grace mm -hmm. from Boston High Society to the Vale of Panath. Yeah. And the vaults of Zin. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. That sounds like a creepy place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bones and gravestones everywhere. It's like. Gucks. Is that what they were? Gugs. Gugs, excuse yes. me, and gugs everywhere. Yes. Interesting fact that Richard Upton Pickman is cousins of Randolph Carter. That is an interesting yeah. fact. Yeah. I think that's an interesting fact. I think that that particular little piece of knowledge is part of this whole, like... Um, Cthulhu mythos? Well, obviously. <laughs> but I mean, like, like the the way that the Necronomicon is being passed around. Yeah. Like, exposure to that kind of terrible knowledge. Yeah. And it's like, so, okay, so we have that bit, you know, and then we also have the bit about eating the flesh. Yeah. And then it's like, of course, of course he's going crazy. Of course he is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, I, I feel like uh, Lovecraft and how Pikmin is, like, mad, and, you mm -hmm. know, he's, like, this crazy you know this this artist who's able to do things that makes people think of like the you know romantic artists and stuff like that mm -hmm. this is Pikmin's influence by the Necronomicon this is like I'm sure this is something along the lines of H.P. Lovecraft is like you know in this story I did this with the Necronomicon but what if like instead of a book what if it's paintings that makes people go crazy or what if it's paintings oh that, that's like, a good point like I didn't even think about something that something that's like he's making these paintings makes people react to stuff yeah he's making these paintings of this malevolent forces but of course one of the things about art is that it can it can be a subliminal consumption yes because you can look at okay so you can't read something if you can't read it mm -hmm. it's just words on a page Correct. but if you look at art every people who can see can consume art whether they know what they're looking at or not yes and so that's an interesting thing like it's more it's both more and less powerful mm -hmm. because of course a visual medium you can't really repeat it necessarily yes. so if you have someone like Richard Upton Pickman, uh -huh. who is well-versed in the Necronomicon, he's able to take concepts from the Necronomicon and then paint them. Right. They and don't have the same power as right. the Necronomicon. And like, as you can't read it and right. then, like, call forth a bunch of ghouls, but someone's going to see that, and it's going to, like, hit them. It's right. It's going to hit the them chest. hard. Viscerally. And they're not going to know why it's going to be this, this unnameable, unknowable darkness that has corrupted right. some part of their soul. Right. It is, yet again, the creeping corruption. Yeah. The bits that get out there. Yeah. That have made this a fallen world. <laughs> of course, it was fallen before anybody was here, so. So, yeah. There you go. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to talk about a really cool book that I've talked about in the past. Uh, not book so much as I want to call it a weird fiction anthology. Uh, a, I believe, bi-monthly yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about, too. You're, uh, we're talking about Weird Book. And I want to talk about Weird Book number 37 and 38. I got I got a little bit behind on my Weird Book, but luckily the uh, the publishers, uh, Wildside Press, and the editor, Doug Draw, set me straight. So let me tell you a bit about Weird Book 37. First off, it's jam-packed issue full of all kinds of great horror and fantasy, and you know how much I love those, too. And we've got some of my favorite folks there. We've got some uh, 
some Cody Goodfellow there. We've got some John R. Foltz. And uh, Goodfellow wrote uh, Living Stone for this one and The Veneration of Evil in the Kingdom of Ancient Lies by John R. Foltz. Check that out. It's really good stuff. It's, you know, it's always really good stuff from the folks at Weird Book. And we've got titles like Sea Glass Harvest by Bear Kiosk, The Changeling, The Maiden Voyage of the Arizona, One Million and One, War is Grim, Blood Pact. We've also got some really cool uh, poetry by Daryl Schweitzer and a few others there. And definitely check out Weird Book 37. A lot of good stories, great cover, and I always love the artwork on this stuff. And I just received in the mail today Weird Book 38. So I'm super excited about that. I just want to remind you that Weird Book's about 12 bucks on the Amazon. And you can get it for your Kindle for, I think, like 3 or $4. You're going to have to go to Amazon and check that out. But full-color uh, covers and interiors of just some really, really nice fun artwork. It's... I've... Okay, I've, I've bitched about uh, layouts and readability and stuff like that. And I don't ever have that problem with uh, Weird Book. Uh, Wildside Press has got their stuff together and really knows what they're doing. They keep putting out a collection of weird books, weird stories, weird tales. And uh, yeah, this is my personal favorite anthology series currently right now. I would subscribe to this if it was a podcast. If it was, uh, yeah, no, I, I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm just glad I get to, I, I get to tell you guys about it. So you guys get to check it out. And speaking of check it out, check out Weird Book 38. Uh, we've got titles like The Harlot's Rose with a poet's eye. The Wishing Well, O King of Pain and Splendor, and You'll Do It for Diamonds. And O King of Pain and Splendor is by uh, Daryl Schweitzer, who you've heard of before on the show. Well, it's got some Pugmire out there. And let's see whom else. We've got some Frederick J. Bayer. We've got some Russ Parkhurst, uh, S.L. Edwards. Clay F. Johnson, Chad Hennessy, or Chad Hensley. We have got a bunch of names that you recognize, names that you'll find, and names that will probably be your new favorites. But seriously, you need to check out Weird Book. If you haven't checked out Weird Book, you definitely have to check out Weird Book. And it's generally somewhere around a little less than 200 pages, and it's jam-packed full of your favorite weird authors and your soon-to-be favorite weird authors and the poets i <laughs> let's just say uh when it comes to poets they they get the weird ones That's, whether it be your uh your uh, what you call them uh whether it be daryl schweitzer or it be uh k.a opperman there's there's going to be some stuff that you're going to like you're going to think about. And, yeah, no, these, these stories aren't always the longest and most elaborate. Sometimes they're just nice, short, sweet stories. But, hey, it's a uh, horror and sci-fi anthology book that comes out on a regular basis. The annual this year was Witches, and it was really good. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the next annual. I think I'm going to be in the next annual. We don't know yet but I believe so. 
Anyway, Weird Book 37, 38, $3 on the Kindle, $12 in the paperback. Um, don't try and buy used copies, because this is highly collectible. A used copy of Weird Book 38 is going to run you somewhere around 16 dollars. Yeah, Weird Book. And, uh, as, as Doug Draw said... Weird Book isn't always about stories with good taste. Weird Book is always about stories that taste good. Enjoy! And that's from Doug Draw, the uh, yeah, editor. But, so, but yeah. Creepy crawlies on the face of the universe. <laughs> what are you quoting? Nothing. I'm making it up. Okay. Yes, we are nothing but creepy crawlies on the face of the universe. I mean, that's like the whole thing about humans and the mythos, right? Yeah. Unimportant. Exactly. Yeah. We're the wacky wall walker that, you know fell behind the couch and right. collects dust. Right, right. doesn't stick to the wall anymore. doesn't stick to the wall anymore. Pointless, useless, <laughs> unconsidered. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yet still smearing ourselves in the filth of um, other beings. All right, I'll get off this. I'll get off this right. little... Yep. So that was Richard Upton Pickman. That was Richard Upton Pickman, yeah. who we were talking about. Do you know what we're talking about next week? No, I don't. Or next... The next episode? next major episode? Yeah. We're going to be talking about the Gardner family. Oh, yeah! Color Out of Space, the Gardner family. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. That's, that's going to be a little ooky. It's an ooky story. Yeah. It's going to be a little ooky. Yeah. All right. So join us next time. We're going to have a... A little dusty... Little uh, yeah, a little ashy. <laughs> a little uh, ashy. We're, we're gonna have uh, a reading up next. So yes. next week, expect some readings and no more Great God Pan. Just had the last episode of uh, Great God Pan pop up, but no, I believe next Monday we've got some uh, or oh, by the time this airs, this episode will have already dropped. But if you haven't heard the second part of Herbert West Reanimator. Oh, It'll yeah. It'll be up by the time this episode's out. Don't eat breakfast first. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, join us next week for, or next time, for... Uh, the Gardner Family. The Color Out of Space. Ooh. And that's color with a U in it. Ooh. Oh, my uh, gosh. So European. So fancy. Oh, my goodness. They keep it weird. Yeah. <laughs> or stay weird and keep it squiggly. Oh, yeah. Let's keep it squiggly. All right. Sounds good. Well, everyone, stay squiggly and keep it weird. Series 7, Episode 3, written and edited by Daniel Spitzer. Audio by Sarah Fee and Daniel Spitzer. Music by Kevin McLeod. PGTTCM is a part of the Dark Myths Collective. We are engaged in an ongoing discussion of the Cthulhu mythos and its timeline regarding Earth. To be part of it, contest... Contact us at pgttcm at gmail.com or join us on Facebook or Twitter. Just search for PGTTCM. Yay! Yay. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe to PGTTCM on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. Donate to patreon.com slash pgttcm and get something cool each month. Early release episodes, unique audio content, otherwise unreleased banter, and our ever-popular sticker cults are just a few of the options. Ooh, ooh.